continuing our series we've been going through the last few weeks called Weird. And uh, the series is about how it's really normal in this day and age that we live in to be you know, full of financial debt, to have uh, high divorce rates, uh, uh, bad relationships, just to kind of give in to a lot of our desires. And we as Christians, we're called to kind of shake things up, to be just a little bit different than uh, the world's normal. And God called us to, uh, is called us to be set apart from the norm of the world. And that might look a little bit weird to others sometimes, uh, and which is why it's called weird. Um, so let me ask you this morning as we dive in, we're going to continue this morning uh, on that same uh, train of thought. Let me ask you to think of a time in your life, maybe it was a year ago, a week ago, or maybe it was this morning, where you can think of a time that you did something or maybe you said something where you kind of gave in to your desires. As you're thinking about that, let me tell you a story. Uh, I play in Hoop Fest every year, and there was a few years ago I was playing with some good friends from church here, and we played this team that there was just that one guy on that team that just irritates you. And you know what I'm talking about. If you've been down to Hoop Fest or you've played in Hoop Fest, there's always that one guy on that one team that just irritates everyone. So I'm playing, and this guy is just calling ticky-tack fouls. He's kind of riling everyone up, and he's just like, man, why does Captain Intensity have to play on the team that I'm playing? I don't want to play this guy right now. And so I'm just getting kind of mad at him. He keeps doing his stuff, and he keeps calling ticky-tack fouls and barking at everyone. And so I'm just getting kind of mad, and it's like, boiling up inside me like I need to say something to this guy so he finally I'm guarding him he drives into the hoop I just totally reject him you know but then uh, he like barks at me and says something and finally I just go like I get so mad I'm just like bro I was like you forgot to leave your purse at the side of the court and then he comes back and we kind of get into it and then uh anyways we win the game and uh <laughs> at the end of it I figure out that this guy he's a pastor in town too and so it was just like two of your local Spokane pastors doing it out on the old blacktop. That's all it is. <laughs> Giving in to their fleshly desires. And that happens sometimes. I'm human as well. And you know, we all give in to our desires many times. And maybe for you, it's you give in to that temptation, that desire just to, you know, get angry. And, and maybe for you, it's, it's different. But, you know, we can look in the Bible and we see that there's plenty of people in the Bible that, you know, gave into their, into their desires. And they were walking down a path that was different from the path that God set out for them. And it just had an effect on their life, the calling on their life and the future of what took place. You can remember, you know, Adam and Eve, Eve, where she gave into that desire to have the fruit. Or Moses, remember, he desired to have rent, revenge and he uh, uh, killed that man. Or David, he desired to have Bathsheba. You know, we can look at many places where people in the Bible, you know, they had these desires and they gave into them and it changed the course of what took place in their life. And we all have desires. Maybe it's you lose your temper for you. Maybe it's, you know, you, you sleep around, uh, buying just whatever you want, eating until you're unhealthy, uh, controlling people or situations. You know, we all have desires. And so we're going to talk about some of those, the, the weird desires that, that weird people have. That there's the people on the broad road, remember, that all the world's normal, uh, that there's just a normal way to do things in life. And then there's this narrow road that we've been talking about, that there's a few people do things differently, and uh, it's the weird people. And so we're going to talk about some of those weird desires. And it's easy to give into those desires really on a daily basis. So if, you're, if you want what normal people have, you just do what normal people do. 
You give into your desires. You, you just kind of uh, do what you want. And you can have what normal people have on that broad road that a lot of people are on. But if you want what few people have, you have to do what few people do. So if we're going to be called as Christians to be set apart from the world's normal, we're going to look a little bit different. Our lives are going to be slightly different on how we live our life. If we're going to be set apart and we're going to do things slightly different from the world's norm, then we're going to have to look at maybe some different ways to live life. And we got to start first with not what the world's normal is to get advice, which is, you know, maybe a magazine or horoscope or a TV personality or, you know, a self-help book or, you know, those things that like, yeah, that's a normal thing people do in the world to get advice. But we're going to start at looking at the book that was God-breathed, spirit-breathed from the creator of the universe that is the absolute truth in our life that guides us and shows us what's right and wrong and shows us how to live life, the Bible. And this is what it says in 1 John 2, 16 through 17. It says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but this is from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. What we see in the Bible is that we all have cravings and desires. That that's a very normal thing. And a very normal thing just to give into those. And just to give into those physical pleasures or the gaining of things or a gaining of uh, uh, possessions or achievements. And it's easy just to give into that. It's a normal thing that so many people do. But there's a different way that pleases God that doesn't just fade away and dissipate over time, but pleases God and brings a more fulfilling life. There are two roads. Remember, there's that broad road that so many people are on and the narrow road. So let's look at a few things that people do on the broad road, the, the normal thing to do on the broad road, uh, a few wants that they have, and then a few wants and desires that weird people on the narrow road, few people want and desire. So first, normal people Want what they want now, not later. Maybe you remember the, the story of the prodigal son, where he wanted his share of his in, uh, inheritance before his father died. So he goes to his father, and he demands it from him. He, he's kind of done working for him. He's done working at, you know, at, at uh, his property, and he just kind of wants what he wants now, not later, and he wants to do what he wants with it. And so he demands it, and his father gives it to him, and so he just ups and leaves. And then he begins, he has this, like, I want it now mentality. And he goes and lives life with that I want it now mentality where he just squanders his money, spends it on whatever he wants, fills his life with all the different desires and pleasures he wants, and it kind of leaves him in this spot that's very dark and lonely. And maybe for you, you know, you haven't demanded an inheritance from your living father, but many times, you know, we get caught up in that same type of I want it now mentality that the prodigal son did as well. You know, it could be impulse buying, where you go to the store and you have to get something and you just kind of buy and buy and buy and buy. And, you know, how could you ever live life without that coat? I mean, it looks so good and it, and it keeps me warm. And if I don't have the, this, this new coat, then I couldn't possibly go on and live life. And so you, you kind of just continue to buy and buy, need it now. Or maybe you've been in a relationship before with another person 
who they had this mentality in the relationship and they constantly just taking and taking and taking. And you know, and maybe they said all the right things and kind of did all the right things, but this mentality kind of brought them to a spot where they finally came to you and said, hey, if you don't sleep with me, if you don't have sex with me, it's over. You know, I want this now, I need to have this. Like I couldn't go on in the relationship without her. I, I, would, I would die, you know, I, I need this now. Maybe you've been so mad before and you, you know, you, your temper is just fuming at this, this person or this, the, this thing that happened. And so you're getting so angry and you just really want this other person to know. And you do what any reasonable person would do is you go and talk about it on Facebook. And you just go and, and you write this long post. And you're like, that'll stick it to them. And you think that, yeah, that person's going to log on and read it and just have a tear and cry and Instead of thinking about, you know, I want this now. I want this person to know what I feel now and the whole world to know. And instead of thinking, well, what will this do down the road? What if I waited on these feelings and, and, and begin to see, well, how would I start to feel after time passed? Would I, would I still want to do that? Would I want to let thousands of people know about the inner world that I, that I have? And, and in reality, people just look at it and they get mad at you for writing it. And, and so it leads you down, you know, this road of I want it now mentality and I don't care what happens. And in the end, normal people, they want what they want now, not later. And this leads so many people down this broad road that just leads to compromise. It leads to compromising situations. It, 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 it usually will determine what your future looks like if you begin to undertake this mentality of I want it now and not later. And normal people do this all the time. And it leads down this road where eventually you're willing to trade something so great for something so insignificant. Normal people are willing to trade the ultimate for the immediate. Let's look at a story that I think just displays this perfectly in the Bible. It comes out of Genesis. It's the story of Jacob and Esau. Where Esau gave up something so incredibly important for something so incredibly stupid. Esau, he was kind of like a backstory. He's, he's kind of like a man's man. Esau, he was burly, big, you know, was a hunter, would go out uh, uh, in the woods, the fields, you know, he'd be hunting, bringing home large game. And then Jacob, he was the younger brother. Esau was the firstborn. Jacob was the younger brother. He was kind of the mama's boy. He stayed at home and learned how to cook and things like that. And just slightly different than Esau. So one day Esau, uh, he's out in the field and he's hunting. He's just famished. He's tired. And he comes home and Jacob had been making just this delicious stew. And so he trades something so incredibly important for this bowl of stew. Let's read together in Genesis 25, verse 29. It says, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. And Jacob, and he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of your red stew. I'm famished. And Jacob replied, well, first, sell me your birthright. And this birthright was incredibly important, all right? For the firstborn, a birthright meant at this time, you got a double portion of the inheritance because you were the firstborn. On top of all the, the double portion of the inheritance, you got to be the head and the judge of the family. And then on top of that, with this specific family, God had, had uh, to Jacob and Esau's father, had uh, given uh, that lineage this massive blessing of this, ma uh, this uh, blessing of lineage of what was going to take place. And so there was kind of this blessing from God. There was going to be the head of the family. And then there was going to be this massive uh, uh, double portion inheritance. And what does he do? He goes, sell me your birthright. And then Esau goes, look, 
I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? And he sells it to Jacob for a bowl of stew. And you might think, like, how incredibly stupid of Esau to do that. How dumb of Esau to give up something so incredibly important for just something so insignificant and just for a bowl of stew. You might think no one would actually sell their birthright, their inheritance, something that important that had the blessing of God on it for a bowl of stew. And I want you to know that normal people do that every day. Normal people trade the ultimate for the immediate every single day. For Esau, his desire for food, and he had to have this, he was so famished, his desire overwhelmed his logic. If I don't get this stew, I'm going to die. No one in their right mind would think that. His desire overwhelmed his logic. And this happens to you and I every single day in small levels. And then in big levels, it happens even beyond that. It's called impact bias. And in short, what that means is when that takes place in your brain, all it does is it magnifies a desire way out of proportion. And that's what happens to us. And marketers got this down pat. They know your brains. They know how you think. And so they're able to market where your brain thinks that if you don't have this one thing, that you couldn't live life without it. And so you desire it and want it so bad. And they magnify it out of proportion where you go, if I don't have that, I couldn't go on. And you know who also knows that? The marketers know that, but Satan also knows that as well. He knows how our brains function. And so he tempts you with a bowl of stew, this bowl of stew, this bowl of stew. And he goes, if you don't take this, you're not going to be happy. If you don't drink this bowl of stew, you know, what's that person going to think? You're going to let them get away with that? Are you serious? Here's this bowl of stew. And it magnifies that desire out of proportion, overtakes the logic, and then we think, well, I have to have it. And then you look back after a couple years and you go, how in the world did I get into $25,000 of retail debt, $50,000? How in the world did I buy so much stuff and clothes and things that here I am with this much in retail debt? You traded something so important for something so small, or maybe... Maybe it's, you know, you have this desire that you're going to go to college, you're going to have fun, and you're going to sleep around, and it's going to be your young years, and then when you get older, you'll be a good person later. And you just think like, well, that's just what it's going to be like. I'll be, I'm going to have fun now, and I'm going to be a great Christian later. And you think that, that that's what it is. And so what, what, what happens is you, you go down that road in this unchecked, untamed desire where you start looking at porn, you start sleeping with people, and you lead you down this path where you wonder, why, why am I here? And maybe you get married and that continues to happen in your marriage. And you think, well, it's just one click away. She's not fulfilling my needs anyways. I deserve it. If she wasn't that way, I wouldn't be this way. Half her fault. And it leads you down that road. You're trading the ultimate for just the immediate pleasure. Maybe you know, growing up, you lived a certain life. And so for your kids, you want your kids to live a different kind of life. You want more for your kids than what you had. And so what you do every day is you work so hard and you work extra and you work late all so that your kids could live a different type of life. And you have constantly on the phone and you have meetings and you have, and you have deals you got to do and, you know, whatever it is. And so you, you go years, years trying to seek after success and achievement. And in the end, your kids grow up and you can never, 
ever get that time back. And you trade the ultimate for just the immediate one more round of golf to sell, sell the deal. One, you know, one more phone call to make it happen. You trade the ultimate for the immediate. What is the bolus do for you? Normal people trade the ultimate for the immediate every single day. What is your bowl of stew? This bowl of stew that you keep drinking from will most likely determine what your future beholds. The ultimate is the life that God has for you, the destiny that he set out for you. The ultimate is the work that he set for you that says, I want you to accomplish these things and I want you to become this person and you're gonna do these great things that I have. The ultimate is faithfulness to your spouse because you made a covenant before her or him and God. And you're gonna stay faithful, but the immediate is just the temporary meeting of a desire. The ultimate is to leave a godly legacy engraved in your children and your grandchildren, but the immediate is just one more phone call or one more round of golf with your buddies. The ultimate is heaven's reward for the work of the kingdom here on the earth to see people that are lost, that are bound to hell, that would be in heaven one day, rejoicing and celebrating our Savior together. And the immediate is just the passing riches and things that fade in this life. You see, people, normal people give into these things every single day. They trade the ultimate for the immediate every day. But few people on the narrow road of life, the few people who follow God, these few people that have unlocked this secret to a life that is full of fulfillment, a life that is full of joy, a life that is full of reward and peace, this life that Jesus says that he comes and offers to give you life to the full, there's this life that these few people on this, on this narrow path have figured out how to live, and they do something a little bit different. And maybe these few people, you know, they've tasted and seen what the world has to offer. And they know the harsh reality of what trading the ultimate for the immediate has on their life and the effect that has taken place. And by God's grace and by their humility, they've got off that path onto this new path and they know how rewarding this narrow path is. Maybe for some of the weird, some of the few people on this path, or they're a young person and they've, they've taken on to some wisdom in their life that has helped them stay on the narrow path and avoid some of the potholes that happen in life on that broad path. These few people, weird people, know how to live life differently than the normal. What weird people know is different than the world's normal. Weird people, first thing, know that later is often better than now. Later is often better than now. Uh, Proverbs says, uh, Proverbs 16, 32 says, better to be patient than powerful, and it's better to have self-control. Weird people are willing to give something up that they want now for something they want even more later. There was this famous Stanford study done in the late 60s and early 70s by a psychologist where he studied little kids on delayed gratification. And it was a super, uh, there's probably a ton of science behind it, but it's a really honestly simple test. What they did is they took uh, a bunch of young kids, they stuck them in a room alone, and then they presented them with a marshmallow. It's called the marshmallow experiment. Uh, it's kind of famous, maybe some of you know about it. And they presented each kid alone in the room with one marshmallow. And they said, here's the deal. You can have this marshmallow now, and you can eat it and enjoy it. Or if you can wait 
and be patient for 15 minutes and not eat the marshmallow, come back and give you a second one. You can have two. And it's super simple. You wait, you get double. And so uh, they would sit these kids in this room and they'd film them and study them and stuff. And I can just imagine that all the funny footage they got of kids just freaking out and just grabbing it and eating it. And you know, a lot of the kids just right when the person left the room, they just grabbed the marshmallow and ate it really quick. Some of the kids just fidgeted and they just were left in agony and then they finally ate it after a few minutes. And some kids waited the full 15 minutes and the person came back in the room, they gave them a second marshmallow and they enjoyed both. But the amazing thing about this study was the years to follow, that this team followed up with all these children for 40 years and looked at the differences in their life. And so here were some of the results. After 10 years, they were able to see that the kids who were able to wait to get the second marshmallow showed higher levels of competency. They showed higher SAT scores as they got older and were overall, sparing you all the details, they were just overall more likely to succeed in life. And I'm sure there's a bunch of science behind all the stats and figures, but I thought about it and I was like, this is really easy. You shouldn't even have to do a scientific test to figure out this. It's super easy because all it is is if you're able to delay some of your, your desires now, uh, that you'll get rewarded later. I mean, think of a young person uh, who has a bunch of homework and they have this desire to play video games. They go play video games and they don't, do their, and they don't get their homework done. Well, they're going to get bad grades. And the kids who are able to go, I want to play video games now, or I want to do whatever it is now, but I'm going to not do that, and I'm going to do my homework. Well, they're going to learn better. They're going to probably get more out of the, what they're uh, 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 doing their homework on, and they're going to get better grades. Or think of the person that is on a sports team, and they're trying to make you know, uh, the, the first team, and, and all the kids are putting in work, and you just want to eat some trash food. You know, you say, I just want, need to go get a Mick, Mick heart attack or whatever. And so <laughs> you really want that. And so the kids that go and eat that and they don't go to the gym and they don't practice their technique that their coaches are telling them, well, they still might be good and they might make the team, but who are the people who are, who are the best on the team? Usually it's the person who puts in the extra time. They say no to going and eating the junk food. They're the person that says no to going home and sitting and Netflix binging. And instead, I'm going to go practice the techniques that my coaches are telling me. I'm going to go to the gym and put the extra work out. I mean, it's pretty simple. If you can delay some of your gratification now for something you want even more later, you're going to be more successful in life. And uh, weird people know that oftentimes it's better to wait than to get something now. It's better to wait, get something now. I had a business professor when I studied uh, at SFCC here in town. Uh, great guy, I loved him. His name was Professor Holcomb. Uh, Longtime business guy and just a, really had a lot of wisdom in the world of, of business. And so I remember I asked him uh, one day and I said, uh, you know, it was a class of a bunch of 18, 19, 20 year olds. And they're all just want to make money and get rich and, you know, be business owners. And I, and I go, um, what is the best advice you'd give to a young person who wants to make money? And he like knew the answer like that. And he just spouted it off. And he says, this is what he said. He said, most young people... They buy liabilities now, and they wait and buy assets later. He said, if you want to be rich, you want to make money, wait to buy liabilities, save, and buy assets now. And uh, essentially what that is, is a liability is anything that goes down in value over time, and an asset is anything that typically 
gains value over time. And so what do most young people do? Most young people, they buy lots of liabilities. What do they buy? They buy cars. They buy clothes. They buy electronics. You know, things like that. That you buy a t-shirt for $50, you wear it once, now it's worth 50 cents. You buy a car, and the moment you drive it off the lot, it just went down in half of its value. Or, you know, whatever it is that most young people, they buy a lot of liabilities. And they buy very few assets. An asset is anything that goes up in value over time. So that could be certain investments, real estate, you know, things like that. And so over the course of uh, uh, my life since that, when I was 18 or 19, you know, I've tried to take some of those principles here or there. I've by no means been perfect. I've had plenty of my own financial fumbles along the way. But I've taken that and going, you know, I don't want to be the person that just has a ton of liabilities as a young person and zero assets. You know, I, one day I want to, I have a desire to live a different type of life. So, you know, uh, I, I took one year where I started a business and made some money. I bought my first house when I was 21. Um, and I, for the last couple years, I bought a scooter in cash and I drive that around. So I want to have an extra car payment and pay, pay the insurance and gas and stuff. And so that's an extra three to 500 bucks in my pocket every month for driving a scooter. And the, the point of this is, is if you, are willing to wait for something later that you want even more than something that you want now, weird people know that that is oftentimes better. And I know for me, I want to one day be able to be irrationally generous. I want to be, be able to be an irrationally generous person because I've made the right decisions in life. I followed God in my life. And now that he's blessed me with this opportunity to be incredibly generous with who I am, my time and my money. And some of you are just one tweak away, a few liabilities, liabilities away to being an irrationally generous person in your life. And the wonderful thing is I married a woman who has this exact same mindset as me, that, that we have uh, a wonderful testimony, not only, uh, in uh, the unification around this idea that we want to be able to be generous one day. But you know, there's other things too that we were willing to wait because we knew that there was something better later. And we have an incredible testimony around this because both of us were willing to wait to have sex until we got married. I didn't marry someone who compromised in their life. Chantel didn't marry someone who compromised in their life. So now we have no reason to believe that anyone would ever compromise. And so the trust that's built in a marriage like that is priceless. It's priceless. You, you can never get that back. And, and so we have this trust. And our honeymoon was awesome too, all right? For a lot of people, it's just another day in the office. But for us, it was great. <laughs> Oftentimes, waiting for something you want even more later, so many times is better than what you want now. Weird people also seek God until his desires become their desires. Weird people often seek God, these few people on this road, the people that, that somehow have this figured out, oftentimes, or all the time, seek God until his desires become their desires. Look at this verse in Psalm 37, verse 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, Think for a moment that, that first word, take delight. That word delight, um, that is a Hebrew word called anag, A-W-N-A-G. And um, what that means is to 
to enjoy, to seek, but as you're seeking, you'll be made soft and pliable. A lot of people look at this verse and they think, well, you know, if I just kind of pray and hope in God, that he's going to give me my desires, the, the desires that I have in my heart. And really what this is saying is that as you're seeking God, as you're, you're seeking him and you're, ta- and you're enjoying it, as you're seeking him, he will make you soft and pliable. Think of God as like a potter and you as like a hard piece of clay. You, as you're seeking after him, he pours water over you and water over you. And he's making you soft and he's making you pliable and he's forming you. And he's changing you into what he wants. And so as he's forming you and as he's changing you, all of a sudden his desires become your desires. And then then as his desires become your desires, he gives you the desires of your heart. So as you're someone who has this desire, like I want to be extremely wealthy and rich. And so as you start seeking God and you're seeking him and and he's forming you and he's making you soft and pliable and you're someone who's, I just want to be rich and wealthy and I want to accumulate a lot. As he he forms you, all of a sudden his desire is that, you know, yes, that's fine that you're rich and wealthy, but I want you to be really generous. I want you to be a very generous person. And all of a sudden, as he's forming you and he's making you, all of a sudden, his desire becomes your desire. And you say, I want to be generous. I want to be able to, to have a lot, to be able to give a lot. And so then, you know, he gives you ways to now become generous. And now he's giving you the desires of your heart. Or maybe you're someone... Uh, who really wants to get married one day, but you know what, you still sleep around. And so you just want to have fun and it's all good and you know, I'll be great later or whatever it is. And so your, your desire is, is to you know, fill your life with pleasure. But then as, he's, as you seek him and as he forms you, all of a sudden he, he forms you and saying, no, I want you to be faithful to me. I want you to be faithful to my calling first. And as you're faithful to that, then I will give you the desire of your heart. And I'm going to give you this desire that you will be faithful to your spouse. That, that you're only going to want to please me and you're going to want to please her. And that's it. And I'm going to form you and now I'm going to give you the desire of your heart. As you seek God and he forms you, his desires become your desires and he gives you the desires of your heart. And some of you, honestly, honestly, you're not seeking God. You're just seeking that bowl of stew. And you know what it is? It is time today for you to drop that darn bowl of stew and to become a passionate follower of Jesus. That you've been seeking happiness and pleasure and fulfillment and all these different areas and work and people and relationships and things. And it's time for you to drop that stinking bowl of stew. And it's time for you to become a passionate follower of Jesus, where you get off that broad road, you get on the narrow road, and you actually seek after the one person, the one person who loves you, that died for you, that cares for you, that will give you true happiness, that will give you true joy, that will give you the fulfillment that you have been seeking. And a relationship with seeking out God and becoming passionate and faithful to him and he will mold you and he will form you because you have no idea how incredibly important you are to God and you have no idea how God will want to form you and use you in your life. And it's time to drop that bowl of stew because what happens as you seek God Satan's still going to tempt you. He's still going to try and offer you that bowl of stew. And I love how Paul puts it in Galatians 5, where he says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. 
and the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. As you seek God, He's going to give you those things. He's going to guide you. The Holy Spirit is going to start to put inside you this, uh, a changed heart, a renewed mind, and all of a sudden where you're going to go, I want to glorify God with my life. I want to start to do these things that weird people do that, that is a little bit different from the world's normal. And if you're not prepared, you will compromise what God is going to set before you. The things that, that God has uh, uh, set out for you to do in your life and the calling that has been placed on your life to be set apart from the world's normal, you're going to compromise those things. And you're going to trade the ultimate for the immediate. Your destiny could be changed because of some unharnessed, untamed desire in your life. I mean, think of me for a moment here. Those of you, who, you know, we've said this for hundreds and hundreds of years in the Christian church as a whole. You know, we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, think of this. It, it could have been us not saying we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But what did Esau do? He gave up the ultimate for the immediate. And now he's not even in that phrase. Don't let the life that God has for you, don't let the destiny that God has for you to be set aside, to be traded for something so immediate and now. It's time for you to give up that bowl of stew. Get off that broad road, on to the narrow road. And if that's you, I want to pray with you right now. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. I want you to know that Jesus came and he died for you and he paid for the penalty of all those unchecked and untamed desires, those sins in your life. He paid for those. And then he wants to be in relationship with you and he wants you to be in eternity with him forever. And he has incredible things that you have no idea yet that he wants to do with your life here on earth. I want to pray with you if that's you. I also want to pray with you if you're the person here that, you know, you've been following Jesus, but at the same time, you like to drink your little sip of stew on the side as well. And you know what? It's time to kick that bowl of stew over. That you can't sip on Jesus and you can't sip on stew. The Bible is very clear about that. You cannot have two masters. And it's time to knock that bowl of stew over and it's time to not try and hug both roads and just get on the narrow road. It's time to do that this morning because God wants to continue to mold you and shape you. So let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, for how good you are. God, we thank you that you care so much about us, that you came and you sent your son to die for us, to be in relationship with us. God, we thank you that, that you have wonderfully made us. God, that we are your masterpiece that your word says we are your masterpiece and you have prepared good works for us to do that we would walk in them. God, and I pray for the people in the room right now who've been hugging both roads. They've been taking their sip of stew and they've been trying to sip off of you as well. If that's you, it's time to drop the bowl of stew. Would you pray with me? God, I've been, 
I've been sipping off two areas right now. God, and I ask that you would forgive me. I ask that, that this would no longer hinder me moving forward. God, that this would not get in the way of the ultimate that you have for me. God, and I ask that you give me your, your forgiveness. Make me new again today. Wash me clean. I want to follow you. I want you to continue to form me and mold me. I want to walk in the plan and the future that you have for me. And if you're the person here that has never entered into a real relationship with Jesus and you've just been drinking that bowl of stew way too long and you know that the things, those desires in your life, they're causing nothing but turmoil, pain, and it's just a merry-go-round back to the same thing over and over again. If that's you, would you pray with me and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord? God, thank you for, that you love me. God, thank you that you forgive me. And I ask that you forgive me now. Would you come into my life? Make me new. Dwell inside of me. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. I want you to be the Savior and the leader and Lord of my life. I give it all to you. And I ask that you would help me and guide me walk in obedience and repentance for the rest of my life. God, thank you for that. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to know that was the most important thing and the best decision you could have ever made. God, we just thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. God, would you help us live in a manner and a life that people may think is different and weird. God, that we would not trade uh, uh, things in the moment for something far greater. God, help us to see and to be molded by you that we might accomplish the work that you have for us. We pray this in your name. Amen.